Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Thanks, Mike. You see, it's important for us to remember the celebration of Easter and the idea of the empty tomb. Um, because of what Jesus did on the cross, to empty himself like that, he gave us the opportunity to be filled up. And I know for a lot of us, you know, especially me, I look at my life and I look at my background and I look at the way that my roots and the way that I was raised, there were a lot of empty moments and a lot of empty ideas that were kind of placed in my life because of the culture that I was in, because of the upbringing that I had had. Um, you know, my dad wasn't around as a kid and I felt for me like there was a huge emptiness in my life. And Christ, when Jesus died on the cross, he had made a choice to empty himself, to give everything up, to give me an opportunity to be filled up and to have a different life. And that, that death, that, that cross, that message was meant not just for me. It wasn't just meant for the disciples. It was meant for each and every person, no matter where you're at in life, no matter how you feel about your relationship with God, no matter how you feel about where you're at in your relationship with anyone around you, Christ chose to empty himself for each and every one of us to have an opportunity to be filled with something different, to be filled with a hope, to be filled with love, to filled with support, with encouragement, and that was the promise. And so what we're going to do today before we even start the, this message is I want us to take communion because when we think about communion, we're, we're meant to think about the death. We're meant to think about the emptiness that happened through Jesus' life to empty himself. But the reasons we think about those things is because we have the opportunity to be filled up. And I believe if we can remember that today as we, as we kind of walk through Easter, whether it's here at church or what you guys are doing after, afterwards today, I truly believe that if we can remember that Jesus emptied himself for us to be filled up, our lives will be much, much better. So I'm going to say a prayer. We're going to take communion, and then we're going to jump in today, okay? Um, please bow and pray with me. God, thank you so much for sending your son, who had done nothing wrong, to empty himself for us. God, we don't deserve anything that Jesus was willing to give to us. We didn't do anything to earn what Jesus had done for us. But God, you sent your son to do that selflessly because he loved us. And God, I pray that as we take communion today, we can remember that. And when we know that we can be filled with something much different, when we can be filled with you, when we can be filled with love and be filled with hope, God, our lives will look completely different. So God, I pray you remember that today as we enjoy Easter, as we enjoy the remembrance of you, and as we remember the death on the cross. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I want to welcome you to the Crossings Church. My name's Jake, um, and I'm excited that you guys are able to visit with us this Easter. Um, I love Easter. I love the surprises. I love being able to set some baskets out on the table, let my kids wake up to be surprised. Uh, but myself, I don't like to be surprised as much. And I got an Easter surprise this morning whenever our main preacher, Wes, texted me saying he had a fever, and I found out about two hours ago that I would be on stage today. Um, so... I also got an Easter present today. Um, 
But despite uh, everything going on, you know, I hope that Wes is, is feeling much better as the day goes on. Um, but if you see me pausing a little extra today, you see me doing this a little bit more today, it's because I'm trying to figure out how this is going to go still, all right? So let's, uh, let's all be graceful with me today as we kind of walk through the sermon. Um, but I am excited. You know, Easter is a great service um, to be able to talk about Jesus. It's a great time to be able to be in church. It's a great time to be around people. Um, and I'm just grateful to be up here. Uh, and I'm just grateful to be in this church with this family. Uh, so when we talk about communion and we talk about the, the death that Jesus had and we, and we, and we celebrate by, by taking that, that's literally what we're doing is we're celebrating a miracle because a miracle happened. You know, Jesus truly did die and be, and be raised from the dead. And that's kind of what we're going to be talking about today is kind of to digest that a little bit. Because for some people, they want to believe in the Christian faith, but they may be a little skeptical on the idea of Jesus actually dying and, and being raised again. The idea of a miracle like that, it doesn't really fathom in our, in our minds because what we see in front of us is what we tend to believe. And more times than not, when somebody dies we don't see a resurrection. You know, we don't see our loved ones die and then come back three days later. We don't see, we don't see people go to the hospital and die and then just come back in a couple days. It just logically doesn't make sense to us because that's what we see in, in life. But in Scripture, it happens. In Jesus' life, it happens. And so we have to have a, we have a decision to make if we choose to believe in God. Do we believe in God and believe that Jesus actually died? Or do we believe in God and say, you know, there are some, there are some good morals in Scripture. There are some good things that there are some illustrations, and maybe we don't know what's really illustrated, and we don't know what was more of a narrative in that time, and maybe it was written down, but that's not really what they meant. And, and so maybe I do believe in God, but I don't necessarily know if I believe in this miracle. I don't know if I believe that there was an actual death and resurrection. I can believe Jesus died, but do I really believe he came back to life? Because that, to me, is hard to wrap my head around. And even in my own faith, in my, in my own years, I believe that too. I'm like, man, it is hard to wrap my mind around certain things. You read through Old Testament and you see certain things like Noah and the ark. You're like, all right, did a bunch of animals really get in a boat? You know? Were they able to organize animals like that? I can't even get my dogs to poop outside, you know? So how are we supposed to organize these animals to get up on this ark, and then we have this giant, this giant flood? Did Moses really part the Red Sea? You know, did it, did it actually happen? And we, can, and we can go through Old Testament and see these different things that God had created insanely miracles and worked through his people. But today we're talking about Jesus dying and coming back. Did this miracle really happen? And does it matter if I believe in this miracle? Can I still believe in God without believing in this miracle? Well, we're going to kind of digest that question today. We're going to kind of break it down and see what we really need to think about when it comes to the death and the resurrection of why Jesus died on the cross and if it really means I need to believe this and why I should believe this. So do I personally believe, oh, if, if you guys would like to follow along, there are some notes um, in your guys' bulletins. If you guys want to kind of write some notes in with us, you guys are more than welcome to. If not, you guys can follow along on, um, on the screens. Um, but do I personally believe Jesus rose from the dead? All right. So we celebrate this 
But here's the main question. What if he didn't? All right, what if I'm stuck in this mindset that what if Jesus did not raise from the dead? What does that mean for us? If, if it didn't happen, what does that mean? And we find an answer to that in 1 Corinthians. We see Paul talking about this in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 12 through 19, and it says, But if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say there is no resurrection of the dead? How can we preach about it and say that this didn't really happen? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. More than that, we are then found to be false witnesses about God, for we have testified about God that he raised Christ from the dead. But he did not raise him if, in fact, the dead are not raised. For if the dead are not raised, then Christ has not been raised either. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, you're still in your sins. Then those who are also fallen asleep in Christ are lost. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are all people of most to be pitied. Okay, so some truths from Scripture. If Jesus didn't really resurrect, if Jesus didn't really come back, we can find some truths through this verse. And the first thing is that we find if Jesus didn't come back from the dead, one, our preaching is useless. You're wasting your time being here today. <laughs> like, like, if Jesus really didn't raise from the dead, why are you here? You know, why am I talking on stage right now? Why would I be talking about this? So, it, you know, talking about Jesus is a waste of time. Because why would we talk about a man and why would we celebrate a man who didn't have the power to come back? He only had the power to die. It would be a waste of time. Every sermon you've ever listened to that talks about the idea of Jesus being the source of truth is no longer true because there would, there, would no, there, would no, there would be no source because there was never a resurrection to fulfill the prophecy of what Jesus was intended to do to die and be raised again. Every Bible study you've ever done, every prayer you've ever uttered would be just a complete waste of time. If Jesus did not come back from the dead, talking about him and what he did would be an incredible waste of time. Our preaching would be useless, is what Paul says. Secondly, it says, and so is your faith. So your faith is a waste of time. Any loyalty you would have ever given to God would have been for a waste. Anything, any act you would have done in God's name, showing up to church, attending a small group, serving other people, anything that you could think about in your life, you're like, I'm doing this in devotion to God, if, if Jesus never really died on the cross, Paul says that the preaching is useless, but then so is our faith. Our belief system has completely failed. So everything that we have believed in and tried to execute in our lives through our application, it would have been an incredible waste of time because Jesus' death and resurrection is a proof of the faith that we have in Christ. And if there is no proof and there is no resurrection, then there is no faith. What else does Paul say here in this verse? He says, we are then found to be false witnesses about God. So another way to say that is Christianity is a lie. And Christians are liars. We're going around, you know, like a false salesman trying to sell something to get somebody to do something, but we have hidden motives or hidden, you know, and, and different things like that. That's kind of what it would be looking like if that's what we, were, what we were doing. If you'd ever share your faith or belief of God with others... You, you would have lied to them. 
It, the entire faith system would be a lie. So maybe you've done it for yourself, but then maybe you've reached out to other people and you've talked to them about these kind of things and you've studied with them. You're essentially, you've become a false salesman for, for an, illeg- an illegitimate faith. So Paul says, if this never happened, this whole thing is a lie. Another point he says here, he says, you're still in your sins. Those who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. See, here's a huge one. There's no forgiveness of sin. Scripture says that Jesus died on the cross for our sins, and when he was raised again, it fulfilled a prophecy. But if there was never a death and a resurrection, there's there's no forgiveness of sin. There would be no hope for salvation. We would be stuck in our we would be stuck in our ways. Paul says. And then and then the fifth point is that we are all of people who must be pitied. And that means essentially people wouldn't want to follow you. Christians shouldn't be followed. We should be pitied instead. We should be walking around feeling <laughs> feeling like we should be pitied upon and instead of being an influence to the world Instead, the world should be looking at us being like, sorry, poor people. Man, they got, a, they got a rough life. We shouldn't be viewed as people of faith, people that are strong, people that are setting the pace, people that are leading, people that should be admired. But we'd be looking more like people that had something wrong with us in the wrong way. You know, have you ever, have you ever thought or seen a homeless person on the side of the road um, and been like, man, they're here because of themselves. Have you ever thought that? I have. I've thought that. And I'm like, why don't you just go get a job? Like, I th- has anyone ever thought that? Or like, you're just sitting on the side of the road, why don't you go get a job? You can help yourself. You're here because you choose to be here. I've felt that before. And, I, and I've thought that before. And a lot of times, I, that's the kind of the pity I like, I don't, I pity you because you're not willing to change your life. If you have the kind of motivation to sit on the side of the road, then you should have the same kind of motivation to go apply for a job or go to seek the help that you need to get. And I felt that way towards homeless people. And I'm like, you're here because of what you've done in your life. That's how Paul says we should view ourselves and how the world would view us if Jesus never died and resurrected on the cross. He's saying the world would look at us and say, you put yourself here. You chose to sin. You chose to live the life you live. And God would act just like me in that arrogant way and say, you don't deserve to be helped. You don't deserve to be forgiven. Nobody, nobody interceded the sin for you. Nobody helped remove that from you. So you're at where you're at because you made some choices in your life and you're stuck dealing with those choices. That's what Paul says we should view ourselves as if this death and resurrection never happened. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be a Christian and feel that way. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know about you, but I don't want to live the rest of my life believing in a God, but have to live and be viewed in that light, right? And I think a lot of people sometimes, we, we, we view this message of Jesus as a great miracle, but sometimes we don't truly believe in the miracle. We believe in a Jesus, but we don't believe in a complete death and a complete resurrection. It just doesn't wrap, we can't wrap our minds around this idea that 
I want to believe that he really raised from the dead. I really do. But it just, I can't get it to figure out in my mind that that's something that can actually happen. Like, I got to see it. You know, as anybody like a visual learner like me, like, if I can see it firsthand happen, okay, I, I'm, I'm on board, you know? And I think sometimes we, we get stuck in that, that we weren't physically there, so we don't really have the proof. And so if that's true, and that's kind of where we're at, how in the world are we supposed to believe in this? How, how do we believe in a resurrection when we weren't there? Well, that's kind of what we're going to digest here in a second, is why did people believe in the resurrection? Why, why is it still something we're talking about today? Thousands of years later, why is it still something that's a hot topic? For a lot of you guys that are sports fans, right, can, can you name, like, every player on every team from, like, the early 1900s? But you can name most of the players on most teams today, right? Do you think in 300 years people are going to be able to name every player on every sports team today? Probably not. Can, can you think about, do you know the name of your great, great, great grandpa? Anybody? I'll be kind of, maybe one or two people. You did, you did your little family tree line, right? Okay, I'm going to show you. Do you know the name of your great, 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 great grandpa? <laughs> do I need to go a little further, right? Um, can you do it off the top of your head without going through the database on ancestry DNA or whatever it may be? Do you just know? Do you know of them? Were they famous, Right? We don't, we don't remember things from a couple hundred years ago. So why are we still talking about something that happened a couple thousand years ago? Why is it so prevalent that it's still here? Why is it something that, we, that people were able to believe in a certain time, and it's so true that we still talk about it today? How did that come about in our lives? That this is such an incredible story and such an incredible truth that happened in history that thousands of years later, we're still talking about it. Even like historians, like you think about like the Incan Empire and the Mayans and, and you think about just ancient, ancient empires, right? Unless you're like a complete scholar in those areas, you can't tell me a lot about those empires right now off the top of your heads. Well, maybe you can. I was a PE teacher whenever I was in school, so I don't remember a lot of things that I was told. So maybe you remember a lot of things about history that I don't. But from, what, from my knowledge, when I think about old civilizations and old empires, I know, like, I hear about them. Like, if somebody said, like, an empire, I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard of the Incans, okay? I've heard of, of the Egyptians. But, like, I don't know all their kings. I don't know any important history facts about them. I don't know anything crazy but for some reason, if you talk to most of America and you say, you know who Jesus is? Yeah, that, that's apparently God's son and he died on a cross and he came back to life. Most people know that story. So why is it so prevalent still today? It's because we believe in it because it happened. But we can't just take our own thoughts from that. Let's, let's kind of digest Scripture a little bit on this too. 1 Corinthians 15.20, it says, But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. See, this was the claim of the early church. They made this claim that Jesus raised from the dead. Okay, And the resurrection in itself, if you, if you kind of want to figure out the timeline and the storyline of, of the Bible, literally, if you can disprove the resurrection, 
If you can say it never happened, the entire Bible is a lie. And atheists for years have tried to disprove the Bible. Other religions for years have tried to, tried to disprove. And, and if you try to attack scripture, well, why would God do this? Well, why would God? No, literally everybody says, here's how you blow up scripture. Here's how you blow the Bible up. If you can make the crucifixion false, if you can figure out how it was just an, a narrative or an illustration to, to build momentum or to gain the church's support or to, to rally people because of, because of him dying, if you can prove that he never really came back to life, you can blow up the entire Bible and the entire Christian faith. Do you not think for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of years people have been trying to disprove this theory the same way people are today? And there are still no new sources on how to make it happen, but yet Christianity is still growing? It's insane to think because we know and we see through Scripture that the resurrection is the power of our entire faith. It is our driving force. Christ dying for our sins literally drives your faith. And if it doesn't, well, now you know. You shouldn't believe in God for anything else besides the source of where it came from. The love of what Jesus did on the cross should be your driving force in your entire faith. If you follow God because your family follows God, if you follow God because you think it's just a good thing to do, if you follow God because there's some morals that align, those are all great reasons to follow God, but they should never be the driving force of why you believe in God, if why you call yourself a Christian. And the early disciples recognized that, and they said, this is the message, this is the driving force of our faith. And so, if that's the claim, why believe? Okay, why well, I believe, number one, is because, why would the disciples believe this in the early church? Because they saw him with their own eyes. See, we didn't get to see him with our own eyes. And that's one of the hardest things for us to swallow is that we weren't there. But they saw him with their own eyes. And once again, it's still hard because it's a miracle, right? It's still hard because we didn't see with our own eyes. It's, it's that idea of the miracle now, because now the truth isn't there. Like, like for me to be on stage, like none of you were in the delivery room whenever I was born, right? You didn't see that with your own eyes, and I, you probably didn't want to, right? But here I am today. And even though it wasn't a miracle, it just makes sense because that's how babies are born. You know, like that's just how it happens. We weren't there. We didn't see it. So now it's not necessarily that we weren't there to see it. Now it's that we still have to get over this hump that it was a miracle that had happened, right? And they actually did see it with their own eyes. They believed as strongly as they did in the first century because they were eyewitnesses and they were there and they intimately knew Jesus. They knew he'd been killed. They knew he'd be resurrected because they saw it with their own eyes. Paul himself was one of those eyewitnesses and in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says this, verses 3 through 8. It says, For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the Scriptures, and that he appeared in Cephas and, to, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. 
though he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. See, he didn't just, he didn't just raise from the dead and like see one person who's like, hey, I'm, I actually came back. And then like run away. And then like that one person was like, and then they go run and tell everybody, right? That's not how it happened. That would be a little more skeptical, right? One dude runs out of the woods like, I just saw Jesus in the woods. <laughs> like nobody's going to believe that crazy guy, right? But when you jump into a crowd of 500 people and you say, look, those are the nails. Those are the holes. This really happened. He says that he was one that was abnormally born. That's kind of, it's insinuating that he wasn't just born again out of a woman. You know, like he was abnormally risen from the dead. And he appeared to hundreds of people. Now, it's one thing if one crazy person comes running out of the woods, but if every single person walks out of Bush Stadium saying they just saw something, I don't believe that somebody's going to go into that stadium and like, hey, thousands of, thousands of people, let's say to the world that we just saw something that didn't really happen, all right? All right, go home, tell everybody, right? And then everybody that leaves that stadium goes home and tells everybody, like, that's, do we really think that's what happened? Do we really think that's what the disciples said happened? If there were so many eyewitnesses, it wasn't just one person at that time, it would make sense. That's why the disciples chose to believe, because there were so many eyewitnesses. And maybe that's part of the reason why it was able to be carried through generations. Why else would they have believed? Well, they believed strongly enough to die for it. That's a hard one to swallow, right? I can, get, I can get along with a good April Fool's joke. I can go trick some people. Hey, man, this Jesus guy, like, he actually rose again. Right? Like, we can, we can make a joke out of it, and we can, we can get along with a lie. But if somebody's got a gun to my head and says, did that really happen? Did that really happen? I'm like, no, 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 that's April Fool's joke. April Fool's. Nope. You know what I'm saying? Like, it would be a lot easier to just spit out a lie and kind of follow along with the faith and be like, hey, man, like, this could really rally our people. Like, if we're Christians and we start telling people that, like, Jesus actually came back, but he really didn't, like, people might follow us more. And, like, they would be like, man, if that really happened, that's a powerful God. Like, I'll get along with that faith. And it's easy to create a narrative. But when you got the Roman government on your back... And they actually did just kill him. And they're saying, if you're still talking about this dude, we're going to kill you too. Do you think that hundreds of people would continue to talk about the lie and then even die for the lie that had nothing to do with them? Do you think, or, or would you think these same people would eventually give it up and be like, you don't think one person out of 500 would say, hey, man, we just made that up. That was five. That was, that was five hundred people. Just kind of, we were just talking. We were just talking. It didn't really happen. You don't think one person would show up out of that entire crowd and be like, ah, "Man, we got you." <laughs> like, I, I, I ain't trying to die for this, man. This got this. We took this too far. You guys ever seen that new girl show, Winston? You ever seen Winston? And he does these crazy pranks, and he always goes too far with his pranks. This would have been a too far moment in the in, in the early church. This is too far of a prank. I don't want to die for this. But yet, they still held on to it. 
In your guys' bulletin, there's actually a handout that you, you guys can kind of walk through and read through. This talks about the, the apostles and written down in history how most of them died. And if you start to read through that and you start to scroll through that, you'll start to realize that most of the apostles that followed Jesus who were eyewitnesses to seeing Jesus raised from the dead were killed because they would not deny that claim. They were killed because they continued to preach about Jesus being raised from the dead. They continued to make new disciples. And finally, when authorities caught up to them and put spears and put rocks and put ropes to them, they said, this ain't a lie. And if you're going to kill me, unless I tell you that it's fake, unless I tell you that it's a lie, then you might as well kill me because I'm not going to lie again. I'm not going to abandon Jesus again. You see, they all, they all ran away from Jesus whenever he was captured in the garden. They all, they all chose to flee him, and they abandoned him once. But when he came back, it completely changed their faith. I talked about this a couple weeks ago. Actually, maybe it was last week, because I, I, I usually preach every other week, but I preached last week. So. Um, they abandoned him once. And their faith completely changed after the resurrection because they realized they could never abandon him again. They realized that he was the real deal. And so you best believe that when people started putting things to their heads and started threatening death on them, they didn't run this time. They chose not to abandon Jesus a second time and they said and said, no, that really happened. And if you're going to kill me, that's fine. Because I see the power of the guy who died before me. I know who Jesus is. And if you're going to die, I'd much rather be with him right now than right here on earth. But for 500 people, okay, well, maybe it was just the 12. Maybe the 12 took like this blood oath with Jesus, right? Maybe it's just the 12 people that died for Jesus. Like after that, like maybe other Christians, it, it didn't get that serious. Well, you know, I'd encourage you guys to... There's a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs, if you guys ever want to look this book up. It's called Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it's literally a book that has got chapters and chapters and chapters of history over centuries of different people dying for their faith. It literally talks about Vikings who had been converted to Christ and then choosing to die by their own Vikings brothers and sisters because of the faith that they chose to receive. It talks about complete different crucifixions. It talks about all kinds of different torture techniques and things that people would do. There's, there's a crazy one that, you know, a mom ends up getting hung up and, and they start killing her children one by one by one until she denies that Jesus really raised from the dead. And she watches her children die one by one by one because she will never deny the truth. Could you do that, moms? Could you watch your children die? I don't know if I could do that as a father yet. I don't know if my faith is that great yet. But they did anything they could in the first century to draw this lie out, to get people to deny that this really happened, and they wouldn't do it. They believe strong enough to die for it. It's got to be true. It's got to be true if people are willing to do that. 
In 1 Corinthians 15, 21 through 24, it says, For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ we all have been made alive. But each in turn, Christ, the first fruits then, well, when he comes, those who belong to him. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God, the Father, after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. It's important for us to realize that people were willing to die for this. There's got to be some truth to it. If he did come back from the dead, if this is something that really truly happened, if this is something that we have to believe, what does that mean for us? What's, what's the hope in that, if this really did? Because it's, I've learned in my faith that sometimes it's harder to deny certain things than it is to believe in them. You know, and, and maybe you're at a point today where maybe you don't even believe in God. You know, one, one of the biggest things that had, had started to get that wheel turning for me, because the, de- the death and the resurrection is a hard thing to kind of swallow. Somebody had told me, okay, it, it's not logical, right? It's just not logical for somebody to be raised from the dead. The entire faith system is not logical. <laughs> you know, like, if you're a Christian or if you're thinking about God, like, you, you have to have some sort of a logical thought. Like, there's got to be some sort of understanding going on in your life to make you believe in God or not in God. So you're crazy either way. <laughs> like, I got to say it, you know, because somebody, told, somebody illustrated it to me this way, right? So the Big Bang Theory, right, and how creation happened. There's really only two ways to figure out how we're here on earth right now. I don't know if this is a theory. I don't know how this came about, but I call it the box theory, okay? So there's only two ways. If you think about Earth, you think about the universe, you think about us like actually being here, there's only two things that could have happened, okay? At one point in time, there was an empty box, nothing inside of it, nothingness, right? And then all of a sudden, Something's in the box. How did it get there? Nobody knows. And now here we are. That's not believing in God. That's the faith system that says something came from nothing. And then there's a second side that says, okay, here's a box. There's nothing in it. And then somebody put something in the box. Here we are. How do we get here? Well, somebody put something in the box. Both are crazy, right? Because either you're crazy to believe that this all came from nothing and it just went like we're here. That's a crazy thought, right? Sounds like a, like a resurrection kind of thought. If, if I was an atheist, I'd be like, that's just as crazy as my story about Jesus raising from the dead. Something that's magically showed up in a box. I'm supposed to believe that, but I'm not allowed to believe that Jesus raised from the dead. You know, it's one of the two. So you're either crazy to think that something magically showed up in a box, or you're either crazy to think that Jesus raised from the dead. But then you got people like, well, how did the guy that put something in the box show up? Like, where did he come from? You know, like, and you start going further and further. Well, that just comes with the narrative of God. God has always been and always will be. And one day he decided to put something in the box, and that's us. 
That for me, whenever I was a high schooler, started to get me to think, is God real? Is this God thing real? And I start reading the Bible and I'm like, oh man, some of this stuff just doesn't make sense. I don't get it. And then I had to circulate back to, well, there's only one way to go back to. And I don't want to believe that everything came from nothing. <laughs> like, I don't want to be that guy, like, for the rest of my life to think, like, think about the world that we live in. Like, where earth is placed perfectly, where the sun is at, that we can be warm and not, like, die. If we were lived on Mercury, we would be too hot, we would die. If we lived on Venus, we would be too, you know, or, or Mars or Jupiter. Farther out, we'd be too cold and we'd freeze to death. But something about earth and the way that it's constructed right around the sun and, and how we can create an ecosystem and you look outside at nature and, you, and it just, this can't just magically happen, you know? It's got to come from somewhere. And if that's the belief system that you have, then you have to believe that that same creator has the capabilities to do something so small as to bring somebody back from the dead. And so no matter where you're at with your faith today, you do have a choice to make on which kind of crazy you want to be. <laughs> you know, like, you got to make a decision. And if you decide not to decide, that's even crazier. <laughs> like, nobody wants to be, you know, in the middle. So you, you got to start thinking about these questions. But if we want to believe and somebody put something in the box, and we can believe that that same person was able to, to raise Jesus from the dead. If he did come back, what does that mean? If it really did happen, what does that mean? Well, the first thing is, is that Jesus says that he was the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits essentially means that death is not the end. Death is not the end. If we believe in Jesus raising from the dead and we live a life in honor of him and we call ourselves Christians and we apply that into our lifestyle, death is not the end of time. Jesus says we're all going to have to stand before God. We're all we're going to stand before that guy that put stuff in the box one day and tell him how we spent our lives. We're going to have to tell him what we believed in. We're going to have to tell him what we were willing to die for, what we were willing to give our lives up for. We want to stand in front of that guy because death will not be the end. Maybe that will change the way that we view our lives and what we do with our lives. Secondly, when he comes, those who belong to him. That gives us the truth that Jesus is going to come back. It's, it's clear in Scripture that Jesus is coming back for his people. Now, Scripture doesn't say when, it doesn't say a date. It doesn't give us a timeline. But if we're with Jesus in this life, we get to be with him in the next life. And that's going to be awesome. That's going to be awesome to see that we get to have a Savior that's going to come back down and bring us home. That may be while we're still here on earth. That may be after we die. That may be for our great-grandkids. We don't know when Jesus is going to come back. But once again, if we believe that this guy put something in the box, we got to believe that he can put his son back down there that he raised from the dead and brought back home. If he can create anything, there's truth to that. 
And then thirdly, that the end will come. The end will come. Jesus is making all things right. And I can join him. Which means that once again, that creator can end this whenever he needs to, whenever he wants to. Whenever that time comes, he has the capabilities of doing that. And Jesus will make things all right when that happens. And we get the chance to join him when that time comes. But the timeline between when that comes and today, we have a mission. We get to join him, but while we're here on earth, I'm just going to give you a, a cliff note version of what the Bible says. Between that time, we've got work to do. Between that time, we got a little job while we're here still. And we got to make this world a better place. And we got to continue to share this message of hope and love and give it to other people while we're still here. And God will continue to bless our lives and give us something much greater while we got this little time here on earth. In Philippians 2, verses 7 through 11, it says, But he emptied himself, taking on the form of a slave, being born in human likeness, and being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. You see, guys, my question for you today is what do you believe? And the follow-up question is, if you believe that this is true, if you believe that Jesus did die on the cross, are you ready to get to work? Are you ready to be filled up? Are you, are you ready to let him love you? Are you ready, kind of like we talked with our opening today, are, he, he emptied himself to fill us up. Are you, are you at a point in your life where you're saying, you know what, I've got to believe this. I want something different in my life. I want to be different. I want to have a community. I want to feel loved. I want to have a mission. I want to feel like I have a purpose while I'm here on earth for the small amount of time that I'm here on earth. And if that's where you're at, you're at a great place and you visited a great church because that's what we're trying to do too. We're just trying to work. We're just trying to put our heads down and just get to work. We're trying to save people. We're trying to find people that are hurt. We're trying to find those homeless people that are lost. We're trying to find people who feel unvalued. We're trying to find people who feel pitied. We're trying to find people who the world has just chewed up and spit out. And we're saying, listen, I believe that this dude died on a cross and he has changed my life. And if you believe in that, he can change yours too. And this church started about four or five years ago with 30 people. And we've continued that mission since that day that we came out here on this plant. And our church has grown tremendously. We had just built classrooms for our kids. If you guys haven't been able to go back there and check those out, today's the first day we've actually let people walk back there and view these classrooms that we have for our children's ministry. And so after all of our kids clear out, if you'd like to go back there, talk to, talk to us or one of the, the people here, one of the staff members here at church, and let them walk you guys back there to explore and see what those look like. We're building. We have, a, we have a whole another auditorium on this side that we're just getting ready to get built up once, this, once we get everything else going. This church is growing, and it's a great place to be. It's a great place to build a family. It's a great place to find a, a potential spouse one day. It's a great place to find a community. 
because we believe that Jesus died on the cross and we want to we make sure that the rest of our lives are work to make sure everybody else can have that same kind of hope and that same kind of love. And so if you're visiting with us today, you know, I encourage you to, to check us out a little bit more, to come back, to invite your friends, to sit down. In your guys' uh, bulletins, there's a communication card. I, I want to encourage you guys to pull that out. This is your guys' opportunity to just jump in. If you're like, man, I still don't know. I, I still don't know about this story. W- what I told you in, in, in the 30 or 45 minutes I've been talking, guys, there's hundreds of years of history to back this up. There's all kinds of documents and there's all kinds of things. And if you're like, I still don't know, then maybe check the, like a personal Bible study and, and somebody can get in the Word with you and show you some more things. There's other resources and other historians and other places on the earth that people have more, valid, more, more proof, more things that I couldn't digest in 30 or 45 minutes on stage. If you're, if, if you're at this point, you're like, I've, I've always believed in God, but I've never been connected to his people. Well, maybe talk about that you'd like to check out a small group and see how you can get connected to his people. You know, God makes it very clear that we're not meant to just be on this earth and serve him in an isolated fashion. As you read scripture, you find out very clearly that God wants you around his people. Because you are crazy. (laughs) You are going to look crazy to the world. And so you need support. If, 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 you're that, if you're that one person that comes running out of the woods saying, I believe Jesus died on the cross, the world is going to look at you like a crazy person, just like we all would with that guy down on the cross. But if you walk out of a church building with hundreds of people saying, we believe he died on the cross and it's changing our lives, people might look at that and say, hey, what, what, could, that, what, could, he, what could that do for me? How could that help me? God wants us to be in community with one another, and that's why he established the church. He wants the body of believers to be together. And maybe you haven't been connected to a church in a while. And that's okay, because there's always time to start. But don't leave here saying, ah, God doesn't want that of me yet. God wants you and his family now. And this is a great place to start. So I don't know where you're at today, but I, I encourage you guys to look through that card if you're like, man, my life is just so messed up. I've got so many addictions. I've got so many habits. I've got so much sin in my life. Dude, get on the boat. <laughs> like, this church is messed up. We've got people in our leadership that were incarcerated. You know, we've got people in our leadership that have been in prison. We've got, we got people in our leadership that were drug addicts. We've got people in our leadership. Like, our leadership is messed up, man. Sometimes I question why it's our leadership, you know? Like, why am I here? Like, but... It's because God has worked so powerfully, powerfully through these kind of people. So you're not too far messed up. You're not in the wrong place. This isn't a church like we act like we have everything together. We know we're messed up. It's called recovery. It's called recovery, right? And there's things on that communication card for you guys as well. And we have those opportunities to change and look at our lives and, and, and be better because of the things that God has put us in our lives. And he gives us, and if you're, ever, if you're at that place right now where you feel incredible guilt because of where you're at in life or the things that you've got yourself into, let me tell you right now that you are probably one of the more powerful people that God can use in your life because there are so many people in the world that are struggling with the same things that you are struggling with right now. And there are things that you can identify with that I cannot. And God wants to use that. So please just jump in. Don't, don't feel like this is, you know, an opportunity 
to, to shy away and, and leave, but jump in and connect. So I'm, I'm going to give you guys some time to fill out that communication card. What, what I'm going to do is I'm going to say a prayer, and we're going to have uh, the worship team come up and sing a song, and that's going to give you guys some time to fill out that communication card. And then we're going to sing a second song, and during that time we're going to pass some baskets. And for, for us members here at the church, we know that at that time we put in our card and our contribution to help the ministry run and grow. But if you're visiting with us today and you're investigating this God thing and you're trying to figure out, we're asking you to not put any money in there. You know, we didn't get you here to take your money. We're not trying to make this, a, you know, we're not, we're not trying to trick you guys like this didn't really happen. Like there's no scheme here. Um, we just, we got you here to try to give you something. And all we need from you guys is that communication card to figure out how you can tap in. So thank you guys for coming. I hope you guys enjoy your Easter. If you don't have anywhere to go, talk to somebody who invited you. I'm sure you can find some plans today. Um, but thank you guys for coming. Uh, thanks for being patient with me as I kind of patched this together last minute. Um, but I'm glad that we were here, and I'm glad you guys were able to enjoy the service here with us on Sunday. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for the opportunity to, um, to just be here, God. You know, I think about my life and, and my family and, you know, where I was at growing up, uh, I didn't feel like I had hope, you know. If the father abandoned me at a young age, like I didn't feel like I had any potential to be a dad, to be a husband. I, don't, I didn't have the knowledge. I didn't have the experience. Uh, I didn't have the best setup in life, God. But what's awesome is that you knew that, and you put people in my life to get me there. And you put uh, your son here on earth to die to give me that same kind of hope and that same kind of love. And because of that, God, I get to be a dad, and I get to be a husband, and I get to enjoy where I'm at, and I feel hope, and I feel love. And God, that promise is not just for me, but that's for everybody in this room and everybody in this world. And so God, I pray that we can tap into that message, truly believe that you sent your son to be raised from the dead and how that can change our lives and how we can apply that as we walk through our lives for the rest of our lives, Lord. I pray this in your son's name. Amen.